In today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. It doesn't matter if you're 40 or 30 or whatever. There's this bottom line of connecting to Allah through your character. No, no, it's not you do you. <laughs> you do the Sharia. And then if you do the Sharia, there's a promise of the Tariqa. And then there's a higher level of the Hakika. You know, if you do this, there's a levels to this. And I think as Muslims who are serious about their faith, I don't care if you're Sufi or Salafi, whatever, you know, we need to level up a little bit here. The more we hold on to the moral bridge of who we are with the Prophet taught us, the more you become a part of society and actually a positive part of society. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here. Uh, for our fifth year anniversary podcast. So we started the podcast five years ago. And uh, we've got all the uh, the original podcasters with us. We've got Motassam. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. You seem a little bit rusty. Yeah, I am rusty. Yeah, Irfan. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. And Laydar, of course. Waalaikum assalam warahmatullah. So I think this is the first time we've ever had the four of us together. It's been and, a uh, long time. It's been time. a long time. Yeah. I, mean, I know um, <clears throat> with all the stuff going on in the world, the COVID and stuff like that, um, it's almost like a reunion for us. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, for, I can't remember the last time I was in a room with you, Matasim. Well, well, I've been in, living in Istanbul for the past four and a half years. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I came back this summer. And one of the highlights is actually seeing all you guys. There's no doubt about that. But before we even get into that, Gaidar, I wanted to say we're, we're recording in Gaidar's living room. Yeah, yeah, this is a new thing too. <laughs> welcome, welcome. The first time. Yeah, this is the new studio. Not in now. the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I was driving in to pull up to your house, I just, you know, I'm listening to all the birds chirping outside and all the trees. And it's just so beautiful and serene. It reminded me of, uh, you know, living in upstate New York. Slim, you were there. Yep, you remember the yep. fall season was like yeah. there? Yeah. It was so beautiful. I think I had to call Gaidar three times to figure out where this place was because, uh, as you guys know, I don't go that techn technology route. So I recently got a smartphone, but I don't enable it. Um, and I part of that is this. My Wait, you got a smartphone? Well, it's not. It is smart. Can but I send you a message on WhatsApp? No, I actually disabled <laughs> the data. On oh. <laughs> I know he's still he's still staying with so my wife. Yeah. Saw, so 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 my kid saw me this morning, and I was like taking writing down the directions, and she's like, "What are you doing?" You know, she's just so used to my, my wife like telling me to go. I was, I was like, I'm writing down directions. She goes, and then she just looked at me like puzzled. I was like, this is what people used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Map quest? No, oh, yeah. Not even before all. that. Yeah. When I first came to the country, I used to buy one of those like large maps. And wow. I'm like, how are these like, you know, big paper maps are oh being gosh. navigated here? I know. So, I know. Like, what if I take the wrong turn? Those like triple A maps. That, like, <laughs> but just, just one thing about it just made me think as we're all like sitting here together. I mean, Gaidar, you, you, you were living in New Jersey, but Salim, he did his school in Albany, right? Upstate New York. And yeah. I was living in New York at the time. That's where I met Salim at the, at the masjid. And then Arfan has a connection to upstate New York because his wife, yeah. Muna, right. grew up in grew upstate up. New York. Family, friends, like with I, your family. and Yeah, we actually went to high school together. I remember seeing her. <laughs> I would tell her, Mona, if anyone bothers you in high school, you let me know. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> funny because, you know, um, congratulations, you had your 20th anniversary. I did, yeah. And I just, I remember I was at a picnic. I didn't know you at the time, but I knew I knew your wife. Um, and like they're saying, oh, yeah, she's she's getting married. Wow. <laughs> so I just remember that. And it's like, I was like, who's this, who's this guy? So, exactly. And then I met, I met you like 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Arfan is not old for whoever's listening. You know? Oh, yeah, so, man. He, he got married really young. early on. He's so. right out of the cradle. Yeah. How You're the youngest of you? all of us. Uh, yeah, I think we were about like 1920 when we got married. Okay. Yeah, mashallah. I was in college. It was uh, right like a month or so after 9-11, we had done the Nikah. 
but that was already pre-planned. It wasn't like, you know, part of the plan, but it was like, it was interesting how life goes. I was talking to my wife this, you know, it's like a book. Um, and, you know, me and Matusum, you know, I guess we always talk about books, but uh, I always tell her, I was like, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, we should be towards that part of the, the midpoint of a book, you know, where things are kind of waning and you're like looking towards forward to it's like ending basically. But I always feel that it's an introduction. And I think part of that is that if you're, Someone, you know, you have to be a little bit aware of your relationship and how to kind of guide yourself through it because you have all of these internal thoughts and assumptions and ideas that are not in reality ever going to happen uh, because we've been fed these narratives through media or, you know, consumption of these kind of programs and uh, over the, over time. So I think one of the things that's interesting is that I feel like there's still so much to learn and to discover together that I feel like it's it's like a journey for sure. And so it's, uh, I definitely feel like I'm still in the preface, you know, phase is still like figuring things out. And I think that's part of being an adult, you know, like yeah. there's a point where you're a kid, you make no money. And yeah. then there's a point where everyone around you is talking about their 401ks and you're like, I still don't know this, but I'm just going to nod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I know what my retirement plan is. <laughs> so, yeah. so I don't know, adultish, I think is interesting because you, you, you have all the accomplishments of your career or whatever you've done in your life, but you don't have these, certainty still maybe like or maybe you don't even care that much about it i mean i think people like us especially may not put a lot of attention towards it but i think a relationship is different in that sense you know, well, you know. yeah, i think also partly having kids you, you don't know what's coming the next oh, five man. minutes that is, i told her i told her last night that's like the biggest plot twist you don't even know what's happening, you don't know what's happening. i mean it, it's i mean i mean that's the sort of the the sunnah of life is that yeah. you know as you as you go further into your life i mean you know this Matasum, and you're, you're in the path that you know of seeking the, the sacred knowledge and as you learn more, you feel yeah. like you 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 know less. You don't know yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah, you just come to realize like I know nothing. And it's mm. apparently saying that uh, you know the ayah of the Quran, illa Like you've only been given a little bit, and you realize, yeah, I don't know anything. Even in marriage, like I found so you know seventeen yeah. years in, alhamdulillah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like you said, you're sort of in this middle path of the journey. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you were, you were trained by the media and by the movies that we would watch growing yeah. up that it's supposed to be a certain way. And then you see it in a different way. It's a very beautiful different way. Right, yeah. But you feel like, oh, we're just starting the journey now. Yeah, because, you know, there's the cliches you go through. Starving, young, yes. poor, living in some apartment that you think is amazing. That hey, I was living in my mother's basement. You know, you go through the cliches, but I think if you do that with someone and you go through your struggles... It's different than meeting someone, you know, now, like in your 40s. Like, yeah. um, you know, we all probably know people who've been divorced. And I think the pandemic has put a strain on a certain uh, level of relationships. Um, but once someone, someone I knew who, you know, personally who got divorced, you know, one of the things that we can't, we talked about, he said, like, you know, it would never be the same because I'll never be 21 again. You know, no one's ever going to just meet you and think that you're funny, you know, like objectively thinking and believing in maybe the promise of you. They're going to see this 40-year person that should have all of these credentials, all of these, you know, whatever their bank account, this is and that. And, that, and it goes both ways, probably for both genders. But I think it's just interesting. The expectations completely changed. Because so I asked him if he thought about remarrying. And I think, I think that's a very huge challenge, you know. Well, this is the big thing I'm going to pull right out into on this. Like, I'm a big proponent that men should get married young. Yeah. Because I'm seeing a lot of young men getting married older. 
Yeah. You know, and the problem is, as you get older, you get more set in your ways. Rigid, yeah. yeah you get more rigid. You're not going to be flexible to what's going to come in life. And yeah. then it's it's going to pose other challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Um, mashallah, you know, you guys are saying 20 years of marriage, 17 years of marriage. So just like i feel like you just said ma'am to me. <laughs> so um you know uh, i think we were just talking about it before the podcast uh you know before you hit record uh we were talking about adjustment and everything at yeah. this point of life yeah and part of the adjustment uh, an example we were saying is the adjustment of our workout Routine, mm. you know so yeah you don't pump iron as you, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. used to do 20 <laughs> years ago thank you covid yes he shredded like a like a pollo <laughs> i know man yeah uh, yeah uh, like a barbacoa i thought Chipotle. i had the biggest gains i was like no, so Celine beat me again. <laughs> so yeah, so we were talking about like people, so there's two attitudes, right? Like you either look back and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this now. I can't do that. And, yeah. and you kind of get depressed about it or you just adjust and you do things differently and you embrace that new kind of phase in your life. Yeah. And that goes the same way in everything that we talked about. So You know, I mean, one of the things like, you know, uh, I said jokingly, thank you, COVID, but actually I... I um, I think for I think for a lot of a lot of people, you know, it changed our perspectives on a lot of things. You know, just because it reminded us of you know some of the more pressing things in life, right? And and so like we're talking about earlier about like you know us getting towards a certain age, right? And I think um, around the time when you know like the pandemic hit and like we were locked down and stuff like that, you know, and then also at my advancing age, I'm the oldest one here. Um, <laughs> Are you I, was really? like, I was like, yeah, I'm the oldest one here. I was like, I was, man, if I don't do this now, I mean, if I don't do this now, I'm, yeah, I'm running at a time. Yeah. Yep. And it wasn't even like running at a time because of my age, it was running at a time because like, who knows what's going to happen, you know, like, you know, with everything going on. So I think that's one of the other things as you get older, like you sort of, you, like you were saying, you're still like, feel like you're still in the preface of your story, but yeah. at the same time, also you see that, um, sort of that end coming closer um, in so many respects, right? And something I definitely see with my, like, you know, my parents and like, you know, they really have like this pulse on death, mm. like that it's like, yeah. they even speak about like, you know, well, this is going to, you know, this is going to happen. They're planning this, these things. And I feel like at our age, it's like, yeah, it's starting to come in more of our consciousness. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, you know, we're supposed to remember death as Muslims, right? But like it's, as you get older, just naturally keeps to sort of, you know, you see it more clearly, you know, when you wake up and your Absolutely. back is hurting, you know, or you're sort of doing your lifting and, you know, or, or oh, you hurt yourself hurt. sleeping, you know, that's like nice. When you I know. always say people like, you know, you're old, like when you hit a PR and then like you hurt yourself, like changing your shirt, like yeah, yeah, yeah five exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely like in that forefront as it, it, it's come closer to our, you know. Well, that's why I think Slim, the forties are different than the thirties, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you know, when you're in your thirties, you're still trying to accomplish certain things mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you're moving around at light speed. Right. And when I, you know, when I hit 40, there was like this, this different shift that started happening. And now, you know, today I turned actually 43. I think. Wow, mashallah. Yeah. mashallah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Mashallah. Mashallah. Was, it was it today? Today, yeah. Wow. Happy well, you know, it, subhanAllah, I'll tell you why I'm very... Wait, Halloween? I, well, forget Halloween. I don't care about Halloween. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. <by the> <laughs> yeah. yeah. My friends like, I've been you for yeah. 20 plus years. <laughs> I now I understand. <laughs> well, no, why? I typically do not care about my birthday. It's not even something that's in my consciousness. Right. But like... 
This one, subhanAllah, I'm actually very happy about because Allah blessed it to be shared with Rabi'ul Awwal. I can't even say shared because it's his month. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, that it's just connected. You know, yeah, so yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah. Allahumma lak alhamd, what a gift this is, you know, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But yeah, when you, when you get into your 40s, you know, my beard started graying. It's like you said, you know, you start yeah. to feel these aches and pains and you realize, no, yeah, you're, you're going to die. So if you have personal things that you want to accomplish, you need to try to accomplish mm-hmm. them now, especially spiritually, you know, mm-hmm. also, yeah. of course, physically. But I want to ask you, Salim, because we're, we're all here together. We <clears throat> we all work out. And I always say that there's a connection between the physical and the spiritual. Right. So like you've been trying to get in shape for a very long time. You know, you've gone through your ups and downs. What made it so different? What were the elements that actually brought success this time? Well, I like to think I was, um, I was slowly succeeding. Okay. Um, you know, I probably started really in earnest. Um, like, I, like we were talking about motivations, right? When my first child was born, before she was born, um, I was very motivated at that time, like a lot of men are. Uh, because it was like, it, well, I don't know what's going to happen when this baby is born. I may never have a spot of free time ever again in my life. <laughs> so I was like, I need to, I need to come down with a program now, and start it before she's born, um, uh, before it's too late. So it was that sort of sense of urgency. And alhamdulillah for me, that started like this, this, this long journey where it became, um, it became this, it became like a weird. And it it is it becomes like this habitual practice, just like your morning or your after your evening weird should be a habitual practice. And when we do it enough, it becomes so ingrained that it's just natural, right? So you have to start like piecemeal, like start a little thing. I think the biggest thing people make mistake people make is like going hard at what like at too much at all at, at a certain time. You gotta go slow, like you know you can't just start you know running five miles. You got to start with like running, like walking a mile. So it was the consistency right? that made. Yeah, it was consistent. <laughs> it was definitely consistency, and, and then also I think I just finally realized that you know, um, like the discipline that it requires, you just have to you just have to be on point every day. Mm-hmm. Just like in the spiritual realm, you have to do like muhasaba right every day. Mm-hmm. Take like, accounting. You have to take account. Like get your my fitness pal, you know, calories in, calories out. I mean, you got to do it. No. I don't. I don't care. That was actually probably the final thing that I had to do. It was like I never used to count calories, and I still don't believe in counting calories like you know so like you know extremely. But you just have to have a general idea of what you're doing, yes. and just like mm-hmm. you know at you know they say like you know before you go to sleep you should do mahasiva right. Think about what you did during the day. What good did I do? What 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 bad did I do? And just like in the morning, same thing. You know, you do that. You know, it's like you basically making a contract with yourself. Yeah, with for the, with your nuffs basically for the day, like you know, this is what we're gonna do, right? right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and it's funny you mentioned these things because I think this is exactly the same thought, and I would maybe kind of maybe add some Islamic uh, concepts to this, you know, that I think we've all touched on really. But you know, like you mentioned, eight turning forty, I just turned forty, and I did it without a whimper. I didn't tell anybody. I think my wife and kids did something, but that's it, you know. And actually, my wife bought me a fitness. Uh, uh, you know, like like product that kind of helped my uh, comeback. So in Ayu Halawadid, we were talking about Imam Ghazali not that long ago uh, before we started, but Imam Ghazali mentions this idea of turning 40. And there's a concept in Islamic tradition and you find it, and I'm not saying it's a sound hadith or anything like that, but this idea of being a young man and then becoming a man, you know, that 
happens, you know, and we see all these people having midlife crises around us and, you know, relationships deteriorating because of this um, kind of um, immature mentality that has kind of pervaded all of our understanding of how we should be. But you see this kind of midlife thing happening. And I think it's interesting that all of us chose, instead of like looking elsewhere, to look inward and to think about where we should be, what, what, what we should be doing. And you mentioned the birth of your daughter. Uh, I think for you, it was probably, I mean, ever since I met you, you were transforming your body for a long time. I mean, yeah. And so it's like, you know, like the time it takes. I think people think that you put the effort in for a while and it should work. And if I'm honest with myself, you know, I had the same thing when, when my daughter was born eight years ago, um, I'm going to get fit and it, and I did, I mean, you know, a little bit, but I wasn't that, if I'm honest, I wasn't that consistent. And I think the difference that now is like, you're doing these things and the prophet, the prophet said, and the hadith that's very sound, the best action is the consistent action. And there's actually an MMA fighter. I think he's most of background, like the heavy, like Lebanese. And he did a study where he talked about, you know, people have these like maybe three day routines or two days routines. And they think, oh, wow, I did a you know huge amount of workout. But the person who does something even just 15 mm -hmm. minutes a day right. will outstretch exactly. that person yes. in just one uh, week. Absolutely. More reps, more time walking or cardio. You, know, you know, one of the things also, I mean, in terms of goals, right? Yeah. I think like, you know, you have a certain goal, uh, you know, let's, you know, we're talking about fitness here. Like you have a certain goal, like, you know, and I'll be honest with you, the goal that I had when I first started this whole thing is different from what I feel like I've achieved now mm -hmm. and I'm much more happier for it. And what I mean by that is like, you know, in life, you know, you sort you sort of like think think when we were like in our college years, like mm. you had a certain idea of how your life would go. Right. Like, you know, I'm gonna go to the school, I'm gonna get this thing, I'm gonna get, you know, inshallah married or this, have this, 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 this. And inevitably, I think that's what actually actually one of the challenge of being in your twenties actually is that up to that point, like your life has a certain trajectory, uh, has a certain plan, and then you're in your twenties and you sort of deal with things in your twenties and your thirties as well, where things don't go to plan. Those that's, setbacks, that's again, those that's the way life is. Yeah. Life doesn't go to plan. Right. So maybe you don't get married when you're twenty four. Maybe you get married much later. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, so, it, but it's about like realizing that that this is a process and understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing with you the way that is best for you. And the goal that you thought mm -hmm. maybe five, 10 years ago that you wanted, that's mm -hmm. not what he wanted for you. So he directed you something which is better. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things to sort of understand is going just to this fitness realm, for example, you may think you know what you want right now. And like, you know, like I want to be this in five years, you know, and, and you can achieve certain parts of it, but it may not look the way you think it's going to look. Yeah. You're and never, that's you okay. May, you may not become the after picture that you, you think you might, you know, there's that before after fixation. I mean, yeah. That. I mean, you have to have, you know, obviously realistic, you know, uh, you, I mean, it will, it will change. Everything changes. Even now, like, you know, Mutas and I, we talk a lot about like, you know, this, this sort of journey. It changes like, you know, like, I don't know. We talked like a month ago. And like, it's different from what I was saying a month ago now. I mean, right. things change, you know. So if my wife ever listened to us, I do want to put a preface. We are not like jacked individuals. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, this is relatively lost, speaking. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. during COVID, we all took our fitness maybe to a different level. I mean, I lost, mashallah, uh, some, some pounds. But I still tell people like, you know, I may look better, but I'm still like, you know, when your cupboard is full, but you can still close it, but it's still full of stuff. <laughs> it's just like barely yeah, closing. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me, the fitness journey is about, uh, you know, getting used to suffering. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and why is that? Because, you know, in the spiritual realm, you need to suffer. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was with a dear friend of mine in Turkey, Ahmed Fahmi. May Allah bless him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like an Iron Man. <laughs> He's this incredible, you know, individual spiritually and physically. Yeah. And when, when he started me on this journey, he's like, okay, get on the treadmill for, for 60 minutes, right? And I'm like, 60 minutes? No way, right? I'm not getting on the treadmill. He's like, get on the treadmill. <laughs> you know, and I got on. And it was very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of pain. There was physical pain. There was emotional pain. Like I had to fight with myself inside to keep going. Yeah. And then the next day I didn't want to get on, but I got on. The day after I didn't want to get on, but I got on. And then I started noticing some results. Yeah. Right. And then I found like there was a desire to get on because, well, I'm getting results. Right. And after a while, it's like there's pleasure in actually Mm -hmm. getting on the treadmill. And so, you know, the, the, the spiritual world operates the same way. Like you, you sit down and read the Quran with a pensive heart and mm-hmm. a focused mind. Well, most people don't want to do that, right? Yeah. We want to do something else with our time. But once we get into these habits and we start to see the results in them, then you say, wow, you know, I have to suffer initially to get to get some fruits at the end. You know, you're talking about Ibn Abidunya um, years ago, but I remember we were looking at a book called Kitab al-Jua about hunger. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we forget, like, you know, the seven deadly sins from a biblical perspective, you know, gluttony is there. And there's a lot of pious Muslims, mashallah, who have just struggled with weight. And I think a lot of parents, particularly, there's a there's something to be said about the dad bod. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I think that we just have to be very mindful that, you know, shaitan isn't just talking to you or making you feel like you shouldn't pray because you're not worthy enough because you sinned or you did something like that. He's talking to you to, like, you know, use that emotional eating habit that you have to get over a setback in your professional yeah. life mm, or in yeah. your personal That's life. And so, you know, I think if you try to understand the holistic idea here that we like to compartmentalize our lives um, in this part of just the secular mind. But I think if we understand this at a deeper level, to me, like my wife asked me not that long ago, like, what you know, what was the trick? Because, you know, she's seen me not lose weight for a very long time. <laughs> so, you know, 20 years of marriage. So, and I thought, you know, I talk about it being religious and then it just became religious. Like you guys are saying, it yeah. just became like, you know, I, and I even noticed that like, you know, in my head, I'd be like, Oh no, no. Like after you finish reading this chapter or after you do the orad or after you right. read the some Quran, then you can work out. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, no, I need to work out now. That's what I had told myself I would do. I would commit myself. And this is the time to do it. I can do those other things while I'm watching the kids. But I can't lift a 50 pound, you know, like I can't lift my dumbbells and watch my daughter at the same time. So I need to like understand where I am and how I am and having that knowledge is really important. Yeah, And we're, we're talking now about a physical journey, right? Yeah. And all the components that are needed for a physical journey. But like, there's the spiritual journey, yeah. which is the most important, you know, I mean, journey. one of the things, other thing also is that the journey, um, like the goals and where you think the end is, it's always changing on you. Right? Yeah. Like I remember talking to you. And I was doing like the intermittent fasting. Right. I was like really looking forward to, I mean, I enjoyed doing it for a long time. Um, and, um, but now I'm, I'm in a different phase. And I, I think I told you, I was like, oh, now I don't have to, I don't have to do the fasting anymore. Right. I can like eat, you know, eat throughout the day and stuff yeah. like that. And, <laughs> but then at the same time though, what I've, what I've realized now is that like, okay, actually I can't eat as big a dinner as I used to be right. able to eat. Yeah. I have to eat a really small meal. And this is actually really harder for me than I thought. I thought it was going to be really easy. 
but it's actually become harder for me. Right. Yeah, so it's always fast, changing on you. I know there's a probably a lot, a lot there's a lot of Muslims probably interested in intermittent fasting, obviously because we fast during Ramadan and you know and throughout the year if you do these like you know Mondays and Thursdays and uh, and through the months. But I just felt like it was a cold turkey way of doing it because I was like. It's a good place to go if you have not controlled your eating habits like I haven't and you know that if there's something in the cupboard, if there's something that you bought, that you're going to go for that snack when no one's looking and you're going to lie to yourself. Oh, I didn't put that many calories. So you just, you know, like you're, you eat your kid's cookie or something. Not, not that I would do that, but I'm saying like, you know, these things happen as parents that oftentimes because the kids have like very different eating habits and it's difficult to get them on a more healthier uh, band sometimes. So you may have some of this like junk food around the house. And my wife does a good job of keeping that out of the house. But one of the things I thought was interesting is that through this process, she I had put a boot on for four months during COVID. I had hurt my foot in just like a lot of COVID exercises. Uh, you know, all this stuff is really hard to come by. There's no equipment. So I went through this process of trying to buy stuff. So we bought a desk. We found a desk treadmill. So we started using it, but it didn't have any support. So I was putting too much pressure on my f front toe and I literally had to go to the hospital and like put a boot on it and they still didn't figure it out. They're like, if you were 20 years old, we would run an MRI test, but you're not 20 years old and you're not a star athlete. So just put the boot on for a while. So it was like four to eight months, I think I wore the boot. And in that time, my wife changed my diet because it was like broccoli and all this kind of stuff. And I don't, I eat pretty healthy at night anyways. But I was like, I don't want to do this. So I'm just not going to eat all day. So it really pushed me to go to the intermittent fasting route. I think that's one of the mistakes people make is yeah. that um, you you have to find what you like mm -hmm. and what works for you. So for me, like intermittent fasting was really easy for me because I never used to eat breakfast and lunch yeah. since I was a kid. That exactly. Was a very <laughs> light year, right? Um, so it's the same thing. Like, you know, not everybody is going to do the same spiritual like you have a certain, you know, obviously certain anchors that we we have, right? Yeah. But there's certain, there's other things that like some people are attuned to more than others, right? Um, in terms of our, you know, practice. And I think that's the other thing. People should appreciate the, di the diversity of spiritual experiences. I think our books um, on Enemetasawa, for example, or Tesquiatenos, there is baseline principles there are baseline phases but there are very much individual experiences and oftentimes we strip that away from folks because you know people think well you know i remember uh, someone asked me like naively like like when will i get to fana <laughs> and i'm like fana like you know in my head that's not you know that's not happening right but you know at, at this moment but i think it just points to the idea that as people, we want to have a game plan and we want to have a destination. But oftentimes we forget that it's in this journey that really that's where all the fruits are being you know, born. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the, the greatest journey, I mean, again, we were talking about all this transformation, physical transformation. It's like a spiritual, emotional transformation. Right. I mean, no matter how good you may look on the outside, you may feel terrible inside. Yeah. You know, can't control your anger, can't control your envy, all these other issues. And so, you know, as I'm hearing us talk about these concepts, you know, it's it's a journey that we can also take to start somewhere to start transforming internally, right? Because those are where the real fruits start to come, yeah. you know, as Muslims trying to be conscious of Allah and his messenger, as 40-year-old men preparing to die, you know, one day. And <laughs> yeah, knowing, it's morbid, yeah. but well, I feel it's real. Yeah. I mean, subhanAllah, it's, it's interesting that this person was asking you, when do I get to Fana, which is like one of the highest, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, very few people, and uh, we don't even want to define that term and go into it now, but... I think it's kind of interesting because 
we in this day and age we live in a very uh, kind of instantaneous gratification consumerist uh, you know like you know timeline and if you want something you can order it next day amazon will deliver it to your uh, to your doorstep mm-hmm. so we look at teskia also as a product you yeah. know how do i approach you know oh yeah how do i get to the end right away how how do i order it you know how do i click on that button and, and do it Mm-hmm. But the concept of the journey, even the concept of the journey is becoming uh, recreational, is becoming, you know, more of a kind of a hiking trip or, you know, it's it's always connected to pleasure and traveling and all that. I mean, I could be wrong, of course, but it's just in my mind, uh, journey here is always, you know, is rife with all these different things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And mostly uh, it's dunya and dunya is sour and salty and all this kind of stuff that happens and uh so when you say 40 you know you keep saying 40 by the way sorry we're not trying to uh you know uh, you know alienate all the other folks from different age groups especially the folks who are 41 <laughs> so uh you know we we certainly you know understand but in my mind 40 is actually pretty sweet you know because in my mind, I was like, oh, subhanAllah, this is when the Prophet Sallallahu yeah. Alaihi yeah, got his message, you know? Yeah, so he was preparing all along. So this is, that's it. You're done now. Or alternatively, so, you can be like, when you turn 40, you no longer have any excuse. Exactly. So that's, you know, the, that's yeah. a stepping stone for me. So if I'm not, so if I am not, you know, in the right mindset or in the right, you know, shape physically or whatever, you know, I can catch up, but it's really not feeling, you know... I feel comfortable in my 40 because I'm like there's not there's not there's less of that angst that, that I had when I was 30 mm. or 20 you know oh I need to do this I need yeah. to catch up what's what's out there what's I mean, right now it's like okay that's fine you know, we're, we're we're cool you know even the tone that we are speaking about right now yeah is actually happening because we're 40. <laughs> oh yeah, the tone. I mean, it's funny so. you mentioned the process of something I think about it all the time. I thought about this a lot when I when I turned 40 this year, but you know, what was going through him, you know, emotionally, so I was um when, you know, for 3 years, if you look at a certain text of hadith in terms of the sirah, for 3 years he was taking these long sojourns and retreats and you know, looking at the complexities of his existence and looking at these deep questions that we all ask ourselves. I think we sometimes forget that. That's what the Prophet was doing. He was isolating himself into a cave exceedingly for longer periods of time, getting more able to do so, you know, feeling excluded in some regards from his wider community, right? Um, His wife was really his only support. She had forsaken a lot of those connections and uh, things that had acquired through her life and previous relationships and they were in it together and you know there's this beautiful mosque in mecca and it marks the place where khadija would meet the prophet to give him food and it's like you know we oftentimes don't think about what led the prophet to do that and it was that hard work being alone in a cave for three years and the hardships that he had to deal with and looking at society and all its ills and it was after that hard work, the qabd, that kind of con, you know constriction, uh, then you, you see this huge expansion, the bust with revelation. And I think Allah tells us this is you know Allah's sunnah in existence. And as humans, we should oftentimes think when we're going through these uh, periods, and maybe for this pandemic has done that for a lot of people, where it's very difficult and you feel constricted and you feel you know confined, that you're putting in seeds for the growth that's coming. You, well, well, I mean, that's if we're seeking 
Yeah, if you're seeking. And that's the big thing. You got to plant the seeds. You got to plant the seeds. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just pain and suffering. Yeah, exactly. I mean, subhanAllah, it's really, thank you for saying that because, I mean, when it it came to, uh, when the Prophet first received revelation, and then he went back to say say the Khadija Radwanla you know. So he was like again shaken, shivering, and you know, feeling yeah. like really shook. And then she uh uh she she actually said, Wallahi la Allahu abada. Allah will never let you down. Because he was shook, you know, yeah. like it, it was like that first revelation, right? But he was like in a different place. And he she said to him, the supporting wife she is, and, he, and and the same thing goes for supporting husbands or whatever. You know, Wallahi la Allahu abada. So she said to him, Allah will never let you down. So she prioritized his, you know, and even though, so there was this shell, right? There was something before. It's mm. not like they were, you know, pagans, you know? Yeah, so yeah, there was yeah. something that was connected. There was this plasma that was connecting their cell. Yeah. And that is when she said to him, so... And I was trying actually to see the uh, the uh, So she was saying to him, Allah will never let you down because you had character. Yeah, mashallah. Mm. So that was to me, you know, like very much telling. It doesn't matter if you're 40 or 30 or whatever, these physical transformations or there's, there's always the bottom line. Whether it was your spirituality uh, or your, you know, there's this bottom line of connecting to Allah through your character. Mm. And she said to him, like, you were, uh, you know, connecting your kin and you were helping the others. Uh, You were in service. Uh, You were, um, you know, you were always able to help others in the matters that are within the truth, you know. And in this day and age, we are living in post kind of truth you know, uh, mentality and society. And therefore we need to always kind of seek that out and try to help within it. So I guess in my mind, you know, you know, when, when that happens, you know, it's, it's always the idea of the bottom line, what's my character, you know, all these crazy things that we're hearing about and we are always like busy with the next, you know, correct thing to say, or the next, you know, uh, you know, thing that happens, you know, are we able to connect within ourselves and say like, okay, Ya Rabbi, I know that there are sins that I do. I know there are things that are, you know, kind of going sometimes AWOL, but Ya Rabbi, please help me out with, at least with the character, just to keep that, you know, sol- you know, at least as much of a solid foundation, no matter how small it is, you know, uh, always happening. And uh, I guess I'm all over the place here. I'm sorry, but uh, it, it's just, uh, I feel that when, when that was, important uh you know in her mind you know uh, you know everything else was fine everything else was okay you know later we're talking about we start talking about the physical transformation but spiritual transformation tezkiah is all about that yeah you know at the Ta-deeb end of the day, of akhlaq, it, yeah it's yeah. just about purifying your character right yeah, and so yeah. putting in the hard work 
to deal with your anger, your jealousy, talking bad about people. And so, you know, you know, Salim, one thing I think needs to happen, we need someone to put together like the, the physical and spiritual transformation guide. Yeah. <laughs> because these two realms, you know, they, 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 they mimic each other. And <laughs> just, yeah, you know, like here's a 90 day plan yeah. to start to get on spiritual and physical track. And, you know, because at the end of the day, like, yeah, absolutely. It's about character. Like, wh what do you want your children to be? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's all you care about, right? <laughs> yeah. Because without character, they'll, they're not going to deal with these ever-changing challenges yeah. and this liquefaction of everything, you know? I mean, like, that was the first thing, actually, when one of the first things that came to my mind when you were, you know, beautifully telling that story um, was, you know, that sort of existential question that, you know, it's like, who am I? Or mm. like, what am I? Right. And it's sometimes you have to be reminded, like, who you are, right? Like, ourselves, like, you know, we're Muslims, right? We also have to remind, it's something I find that you also have to do continuously with your kids, in dealing with a lot of the challenges that they are as young Muslims, right? It's like, who are you? What, what, who are you following? Who is our guide? Who is the one we're following? The Prophet Listen, you are of the Ummah of the Prophet yeah. I mean, this, the shining light for the world. Yeah. We have to be reminded of that because, you know, there's a lot of inferiority complexes going on in our community, mm -hmm. you know. It's actually and, being and overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean uh, we were, I mean, uh, I'm part of uh, this team, uh, we're, you know, of, of a community center and, you know, we were trying to do a movie night, you know, uh, for for the kids uh, tonight because uh, it's a good practice. Alhamdulillah, I'm not sure. Like for those who are listening, it's a good practice on Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you do a movie night for the kids so that they don't get subjected somehow this brouhaha that goes on on that night. So that being said, you know, we were trying to pick up those cool movies, right? And then, oh yeah, we found the Soul movie, and Soul movie is really great, you know, in terms of all the reviews and whatnot. If but you're then agnostic, has, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, but then it had all these theological yes. issues, you know. Yeah. So, Huge I mean, yeah. maybe a seven-year-old and younger will not get it, but then, like for those who are a little bit older, this is an, an entire kind of upfront to, yeah. to your identity. And then the second thing was like, oh yeah, what about Luca? And then Luca is this and that. What about this? Uh, what about this movie? So we are as parents overwhelmed with all this. You know, I am going against the grain in every single thing, whether it's entertainment or mm. whether it's lifestyle or education, or it becomes sometimes yani, uh, overwhelming to you personally like how you're going to fulfill that uh, character development of your child. I mean, the irony is that like those alternatives, like you mentioned, the entertainment aspect, and I'm I'm pro mosques, and you know, obviously, the church communities have been doing this for a while, all, giving these alternatives to Halloween. But I also think that, like, you know, it almost makes it seem like just letting your kid dress up as even like a positive figure and getting candy isn't that bad compared to like some of these other things that they're subjected to in the environment. And it's the identity politics, um, you know, I, like Matassim, you've been out for a long time, but you know, it must be interesting for your perspective, looking at this same discussion point, but at a macro. You know, because Allah says He doesn't change a condition of people until they change of the themselves. Yeah, that's one thing we haven't heard from you. Yeah, because you're I mean, back you in see, like, it's the American yeah, you've, been, you've been away from that. Because you guys are saying that yeah. you guys are seeing all of this, like, um, you know, reticence in terms of Muslim identity. And I think you guys have different perspectives because you work with a lot of youth as well within your um, other capacities, and and you guys have different engagements in this community. On my level, you know, when I talk to these twenty year olds they're all proud about being Muslims because you know you see this huge marketing influx of Muslim 
uh, like representation in media and shows. But I think, but I think that the, the difference there is that, like, you yeah. know, what are they being proud of? Is is, is it's a cultural identity, or is it like actually the we're actually you know f- the values of what the dean teaches? I think right? Asma Udin has a good uh, book came out a couple years ago about this idea of Muslim identity, this Muslimness, and this transformation into a kind of like cultural Islam. And you know, unlike other traditions like the the like Jewish tradition where you can make an argument of ethnicity, right? An ethnic identifier. That doesn't exist for Muslims because we're so widely uh, different in different ethnicities and cultures and civilizations. So I think the problem with it is that it also can result in, in a lot of the kind of woke activism that we find. That I'm being Muslim and I'm showing my Muslim identity because it's part of my calling card. It gives me cachet in the current environment where being different and variant in your identity right. is like, you know, it's nice. And then you get and, this. But again, what does that mean? Sad. But what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, so but like, it's for a dunya reason, right? So yeah, that, that's yeah. sad. You're kind of navigating your political environment or your uh, social identity within this whatever. Uh, and by the way, which is very, very dangerous because now you connected your spiritual identity uh, into a dunya matter and, na- and, and it will come crashing very soon. Uh, well, it's connected yeah, it to the and, you know and, the whims of the time, uh, the whims of the time, and and also the wokeness is all decisive. Yeah, Islam is not that. Islam is actually. I mean, you have to think critically, but Islam is about taslim and taslim to Allah. You know, well, t- taslim yeah, means yeah. for you know the submission to, to will. surrender. Yes, yeah, surrender this, and and yeah. and wokeness is, and basically this particular environment, at least according to my reading, is all about. You know your nafsani determination of what this should be, including my Muslim identity. Oh, absolutely, and so you, antithetical you, to the idea of surrendering to Allah. I mean, I, I remember telling someone like, "Look, Starbucks and all these com- million-dollar companies are not putting hijabis in, in these positions because they value because they like Muslims because yeah. they like your money." <laughs> yeah, not only that, but it makes white liberals feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Bottom yeah. line, oftentimes we are not dictating our own narrative; our narrative is being dictated to us, and so. It's almost as they're, they're telling us, if you want to be accepted, you know, we live in a world where, where now there seems to be this new orthodoxy of secularism. But one of the things that happens with that is that, you know, in the past, particularly looking at our Muslim tradition, Ibn Rushd, for example, is a good example of this, Averroes, the, you know, faith and reason was a conflict, so supposedly, right? So he's addressing that. But now we have this age of feeling. One of the, the huge things is that, you know, you allow yourself this opportunity to get away from that. And all it is is about feeling. And this is the problem where people are now, as the Quran talks about, you're worshiping your hawa. Yeah, and everyone is, we're just supposed to accept the idea. I understand and I completely believe that the, prof- the Prophet Sallallahu and his character profoundly respected people and tr- taught that we should all treat people as individuals and so forth. But that doesn't mean we agree with all of their actions huh? or their beliefs. And then you have scholarship who is using scholarly language to defend their hawa. Yeah. Right? This is the other thing that happens amongst our community as well. Yeah. And so, look, you know, the Prophet ﷺ told us, Al-haya wal-iman qurina jami'a. Mm. Think about this. Haya, bashfulness, modesty, and faith are intertwined. Intertwined, yeah. Right. This is what he told us, If you lift one of them, the other goes. Yeah. So if I start to lift my morality, if I start to give a little just to get accepted in society, right? Because it makes me feel better or it gives me a little bit more pep in my step, I'm going to start to lose aspects of my faith. And usually it doesn't happen right away. Yeah. But if you look at the picture mm-hmm. over five, 10, 15 years, you end up in a place that you could never imagine you would go. Yeah. 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 And that's because 
the equation was given to us by the Prophet. But, so I agree with you in concept. So the problem in, in concept is not kufr. You know, and, and even no, no. said, you know, mm. that he, he, he does not fear kufr upon his own, yeah. but the problem for us is dalal. Yeah. You know, so the idea of what you said, morality, people yeah. are not ejecting or rejecting their morality. They are actually confused about it. And now morality is becoming very liquidated. And it, it can be anything today. Next month, it could be something else. Yeah. So, so that being said, morality is now being connected to Islam at the same time being shaped in society. So who's making that greater pull? And mm -hmm. who's dictating the other Absolutely. short end of the stick? So, and yeah. I don't want to sound like the pastor from Footloose, if that's a reference, but you know that. <laughs> but there is a <laughs> uh, the pastor from Footloose. Yeah, but there is a you know there is a disease also with the like religious. I mean, for people who are religious, like self righteousness becomes a disease, right? So none, none of us are, are Muslim women. I, I can't even though you know we, we like we may be married to Muslim women who cover. We don't know those trials and those tribulations. But I think what we're talking about is something a little bit broader than simply the hijab. Or you know when we talk about modesty, we're talking about. An, Id an identity that's related to faith. So that should dictate our actions and our right thinking. So a lot of times I think what ends up having for Muslim men, you know, it's like, you know, you have the same situation, but they'll think, they'll tune this out, that the modesty part doesn't apply to them. Absolutely. Does. Because Why they got their knees covered. You no, know? They're wearing <laughs> pants that are so tight these days. Yeah, Muslim yeah. Men. I mean, this is not about just women. This, no. is about, this is about the community as a whole. But also like the idea of flexing, like, you know, I, during the pandemic, went, went into a deep hole of sneaker uh, culture. <laughs> so, you know, after I did like a, a year of Teftazdani's uh, Shar of Aqaid. <laughs> <laughs> How did you connect that in the same sentence? <laughs> <laughs> Never thought that would happen. But it's interesting because, you know, I'll you know, I was, I'll tell you something. It was, it's been profound. I mean, you know, because a lot of times you'll meet people on the street and you have nothing in common with these individuals. Uh, you know, somebody that's working in a grocery store, you're, you're working, you're trying to get, a, you're trying to get a, an Uber. But sneakers unite a lot of people. So people would disarm and start talking to me. And I remember Habib Muslim told me this. And I saw, I saw it in action. He was talking to someone about like, oceanography or something like this and i don't think Habib actually had an interest in it necessarily but he told me later because you have to speak to people about what they're interested mm -hmm. in and i i will tell you i tell my wife this all the time i have gotten like amazing service i just had to go to the office to get my laptop fixed there's a huge line you know and the young man who's working there um i commented on his sneakers and i and i showed i knew a little bit about them right he was like over the moon about it he's like and we had a, like maybe a five minute conversation he goes this has been the best conversation i've had in like mm -hmm. a week. And it wasn't anything particularly amazing, but I was giving credence to like something that I know that he liked. And so therefore, like there was this like genuine respect. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that's like a far flung idea, but. I remember that story you told me about um, Sheikh Mosul. I remember like you wouldn't think he would be able to have a conversation with, um, uh, with someone about this topic, but it was like, because he, he realized that you have to have this connection with something that they, they at, at that point value right and it's important to them you can't just like come in like you know and then you're just like an alien you know you're you're not going to have any positive uh not positive or use or use the language and uh yeah. to, and concepts of the day to that guide people to the haq you know yeah like for instance yeah. you know you can say why you guys are masquerading on uh halloween uh you know walking around as ghouls and uh and 
and ghost and you're not, and you're definitely culturally appropriating all these uh you know uh, lifestyles of those who dedicated their life uh, to the goth lifestyle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or gaelic culture so yeah i mean the point i think is that on an individual basis if you're someone who's really sincere about your faith and sharing your faith and people and you may not see yourself this way and you shouldn't be self-righteous because that's a disease of the heart as well but but people may see you in your family and your other contexts as being religious, that when you have interactions with others who may not be on the path per se, who may not, who may be struggling with their Muslim identity and these types of things, that you should be mindful of prophetic character when you're in those individual Absolutely. discussions with that individual. But I think what, you know, some of the things I'm just more weary of is that when those private conversations get into public domain, there can be a misconstruement of mm -hmm. this idea of, well, you do you. Right. you know, this yeah, is this, exactly. Yeah, right. This is just like, yes. you know, and I've heard this in many Muslim forums, which is really yeah. troubling. No, no, it's not you do you. No. <laughs> you do the Sharia. Yeah. And then if you do the Sharia, there's a promise of the Tariqah, and then there's a higher level of the Haqiqah. You know, yeah. if you do this, there's a levels to this. And I think as Muslims who are serious about their faith, I don't care if you're Sufi or Salafi or whatever, you know, we need to level up a little bit here yeah. to use that term. Like people need to understand that five pillars, okay, always profoundly important, but there's a deeper significance to them. Imam Ghazali, for example, we talk about Ibn Qudama, other authors all talked about. So take whatever mushrub, any well you want, but take it and make it a deeper connection to these things. And if you make those essentials deeper, your tawheed and Allah, your belief in tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And maybe don't get into these like, you know, uh, divergent views in theology that can you know, mislead you out of intellectual curiosity. I mean, let's just be real. They waste your, they, they can waste your time. I'm not saying you shouldn't read it. I, I, I definitely uh, have to struggle with this issue too. But I think it's important that unless you're doing your five pillars and you're straight on that and you're not, and you're dedicating time for these other practices like Quran, Hadith, I mean, Quran and Dhikr, you really shouldn't waste your time. You know, do your fardain, do the things that are going to help you. And it's the same thing we just talked at the beginning of the, of the podcast about the physical stuff. If I'm in the gym, switching up my routine, you know, every whatever month or so, and I'm doing like a, whatever insanity, uh, and then I'm jumping to like an orange theory, and then I'm jumping to something else and yoga or whatever. I'm not going to see these results that right. I want because I wasn't consistent. It's the same thing with our religiosity. Getting consistent on the basics and then moving from there. And it's the hadith in Bukhari where Allah says what? That my servant who does the five recommend, you know, he does the things that are, I, I, I told him, to, I'm going to paraphrase this. It's not literal, but he's, he's doing what I commanded him to do. Then he gets closer to me. And then he does extra things. And that's where, like, you know, that's where we should be going at, especially at our age at 40, doing those extra things, the noafil, the more the dhikr, the extra prayers, these types of things, until what? And then he talks about it's the most profound Sufi whatever experience you can talk about. When, what, the, what the Messenger of Allah talked about there is the epitome of all of our spirituality. That Allah says, and I become what? The, the, the foot which he walks and all these things, you know, and I'm not going to explain well, this in detail. Un, un, until I love him. Yes. And that's, until I love him. I mean, what better? Yeah, that's yeah. That's definitely that's the meat and potatoes, right? Yeah, and, into the basics. And that's what the prophet. Yeah, so we're, like we're in the month of Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and what did he? What did Allah say in the Quran? You know, say, he's the greatest character, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But he also said that if you say you love Allah, yeah, follow me. And you know what's interesting about that you. ayah? He doesn't say love me. No, Allah doesn't say love because yeah, you may love the Prophet but you don't follow him. Right. right. That's why he makes it even harder. Yeah. By saying the proof's in the pudding follow 
Yeah, and I always think about this in terms of relationships to bring it to something else we talked about earlier, you know, the 20th anniversary of my marriage. And you guys, mashallah, have been 17 years. You've been married oh my, over a decade now. Yeah. And obviously, you're doing the same thing, yeah. same boat. You know, we're all a decade over. Um, Imam Kusheri has this amazing statement in his Risala where he says that, you know, true love is the erasure of your sifat in preference for your beloved. Obviously, he's talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But all of us have been in marriages and we all know that there are certain things that I would like to do or I feel like I'm this personality. And you mentioned this as we were talking about. It's difficult when you get married older, the rigidity. Yeah. But you have to be flexible enough to realize maybe this thing that I think is really who I am right. is really an impediment to who I can be. Beautiful point. Mm. And a marriage mm -hmm. is a great way of having that reflection. I'm not saying that you should put everything hoisted on your spouse. But, you know, a spouse is one of those things that's not for, it's not a community. I think people make the mistake of making their spouse their all, end and be all of their community. But that's why coming together like this, like this, like having the chance to talk like this. Yeah. You, my wife would not want to have these conversations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not, you know, brothers need to talk. And sisters Absolutely. need to talk. Yeah, I mean, and speaking yeah. of uh, getting to the basics, uh, you know, without uh, having to worry about your mashrab, I'm going to get the coffee. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think to wrap it up here, because we want to just chill out. Like, you know, it's been a long time since we've been all together. But, yeah. um, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about, again, about the the, the character, the akhlaq, right? You know, and how how essential that is. Like going back to Wei Qaidar, retelling the story of the Prophet, you know, and that like in all our interactions, you know, I feel I feel like there's a conflation that if you hold firm to our theology and morality, that yeah. that somehow means that you're going to have poor ikhlaq with people mm. who are maybe on a different path, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And just that that's just not true. That's not true with the Prophet It's not true with all the all the the awliya. Yeah. I mean, that's quite the opposite. As you mentioned the story exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is the opposite. I mean, the more we hold on to the moral bridge of who we are, what the Prophet taught us, the more you become. Hmm. A part of society and actually a positive part of society. Yeah, but once we leave it and we just take these other paths, then we uh, we end up as we sort of see these days, and we, may Allah protect us from that. Yeah, may Allah protect us. I mean, so I think on that note, um, we're gonna um, draw this conversation to a close. It was good getting everybody together. Um, we we're gonna have to do this again. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I I really enjoyed getting the four of us together. I don't know why it took us five years to do <laughs> one with all four of us together, but, you know, um, I think it's definitely uh, worth uh, us coming back together. And, Mashallah. Uh, we could talk about, uh, I don't know, we'll think of something. We'll get another topic soon. In Allah's time, not ours. Now we're going to get our coffee, everyone. We're, yeah, we're going to have coffee now. So, um, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, for all those listening, you know, thank you for supporting us for, um, you know, the last five years. Uh, inshallah, we have more to come, and uh, you know we appreciate your support to share the podcast with friends, family, anyone you think may benefit. Leave us, um, you know, reviews on iTunes or whatever you're listening to us too on, and uh, you can always visit our website almadina.org. And until then, assalamualaikum, peace be unto you.